Welcome back to 1874, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. I'm joined as ever by Greg Evans, the Aston Villa correspondent for The Athletic. Greg, how are you doing? Hello Dan, yeah I'm okay, just getting used to this lifestyle of staying in and not seeing anybody, but yeah I'm alright, I'm healthy, my family's healthy so that's the main thing. And yourself? Yeah, yeah I'm good mate, just gave you a bit of a weird job title as well by calling you the correspondent, I don't even know whether, that, whether that's true, but it sounds good anyway. back in the anyway. 70s? Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure what, what happened there. We've got, we've got a few things to cover this week, Greg, we're trying to go back to current day Villa if we can after we've done a few uh, a few interviews with old players, so this week we're going to look at out-of-contract players, loans, decisions that Villa have got to make over the summer and also take a look at how much Greg and myself are missing football. So Greg, out-of-contracts, which kind of started like, doing a draft this morning of what, what we thought we'd talk about today and I could only think of two players that were actually out-of-contract but, the, but there's, a, there's a few more and Villa have got some decisions to make over the summer, haven't they? Yeah, the, the whole situation around contracts has been pretty uncertain for the last few weeks and, and, and months almost now. Um, but FIFA have, appro- have approved the plans t- to you know, pretty much rescue the football season. So that will um, see, the, see the changes to players' contracts extended and obviously the transfer window put back. It, it means that the contracts that were due to expire at the original end date of the season um, should now be extended to the, the new end date of the season, wherever that may be. Uh, and obviously that affects... Villa um, quite quite a fair bit because James Chester he's the, the you know the, the real senior player that's um, that he's out of contract he's obviously on loan at, at Stoke uh, but you've also got Andre Green Callum O'Hare Keenan Davis uh, Matthias Artic and Roshan Hepburn Murphy so yeah plenty of decisions for Villa to make yeah, let's start with, with Chester then. Obviously, my favourite player, as you all know, the the only real what I'd class as senior member of the squad, not with the club currently. He's away at Stoke, actually doing a, a bit of a column for the Athletic weekly at the moment, isn't he? Which, which I'm really enjoying. But I look, I look back at that last week. Look, went through his column, and it said that uh, he played. He's played three games in a week for Stoke so far since he's been there. So his his injury woes look like they're they're behind him. And I'm I'm still annoyed personally that he's he's not part of Aston Villa and that that he's gone to Stoke. Where do you think he'll be come next year? Yeah, I think it's uh, a situation where he'll be leaving Aston Villa in the summer. I think he pretty much knows that now. <clears throat> he's obviously at Stoke to to get regular games, and he's been getting that before the the coronavirus crisis. Um, Chester always knew that he was only probably ever sort of one injury or suspension away from getting back into that Villa team, but he just couldn't take the risk with just six months remaining on his contract back then uh, in January, where he decided to move. And the fact that he's gone to Stoke and played, you know, as you say, the three games in a week and, and quite regularly for them, well, he's played every game since he's been there. Um, it shows that it, you know, it was a, it was a the right decision for him and. Uh, yeah, he's got a year option in, in the club's favour, but I can't see that being taken up. I think that Villa will move on and it'll be a sad day really when he does leave for good because he's been a great servant for Villa, um, one of the real unsung heroes uh, in recent years and, and somebody who genuinely cares about the club as well. Do you not think he's better than some of the centre-backs that, that we'll keep? Because I do. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, I have to admit, I haven't seen him play for Stoke, so I don't know what his current form has, has been like, but... Um, I, I firmly believe he's worthy of a place in the squad, in the Villa squad. I think he's good around the place. Uh, and every time I've seen him play, he's, he's been very reliable. So, yeah, I, I do. And, you know, it's great to see him speaking in, in the Athletic in his column. Yeah, it's really good column, very, mate. Um, you know, a, a very good character and, and someone you certainly want to be your teammate if you're a player. Very brave in his column last week. He called his missus a Rottweiler. 
which I thought was a very, <laughs> or said she was like a Rottweiler. I thought that is one of the bravest things I've, I've ever seen, especially as he's quite new to doing the, doing being a columnist. I thought that is a brave thing to come out and say. He better hope that his missus isn't subscribed to, to the athlete because <laughs> I think he might be in a little bit of trouble. Let's just say the football season comes back and Chester plays to the end of the season with Stoke. He plays, he plays every game. I think that's proving to Villa that I can I can still actually do a job for you. Maybe not as first choice, but as a third, fourth choice at the club. Because I think the, his main motivation for moving may have been the Euros. So that that may play, play a part with the Euros being moved into the year. He may want to play every week. But do, do you not think if he's third, fourth choice for Villa, he's still going to get called up for Wales for the Euros? I don't think he will, unfortunately. Dan. Do you not think? I think? No, I think he needs to be playing to be um, to be in that Euros squad now for 2021. Um, he, he slipped up down the pecking order a little bit, hasn't he, in recent times because he hasn't been playing and obviously because of his injury. So, But, uh, you know, as much as he loves playing for Wales, I, I genuinely don't think that he's one of his major concerns. I think just extending his, his actual just playing career, you know, his domestic career is more important to him. When, when you're a player and you're coming towards the end of your contract, you know, it's a real uncertain time and you just feel that you have to, um, you know, get that future resolved. He'll want to be going into wherever football resumes again, knowing that he's got one or two years, preferably two years, um, in the bag with another contract. That is the most the most concerning. Uh, and then if he can play regularly and make it still into the Euros for Wales, that'll be another bonus. Last thing on Chester, it's very hypothetical, obviously. A lot of things we have to talk about on this podcast are going to be hypothetical. But let's say the worst happens and, and we go down. Toro Mings, I don't think, would stick around if, if if we went down, I think, because of his England career. You're looking then that you need a bit a bit of experience at, at the back, and Chester's your, your ideal man, isn't he, surely, for that scenario? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it, it, it presents another opportunity for him, potentially, uh, whether he would still get the same money as he's on for his, with his current contract. wouldn't think he will if he were relegated, so that that's another... That's something for him to consider, and again, you know, it might only be the year option. You might be able to get a couple of years somewhere else. So it's not just Filler; it's also the player that will consider it as well. But I think if Filler went down into the championship, he'd be worth keeping him on for another year. Yeah, but let's obviously let, let as much as I love James Chester, let's hope Villa don't go down. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, move on to the, the the next batch, and I'm going to speak about this next batch of players with a, with a real disappointment because I feel Villa's record of bringing players through hasn't been great the last one I can think of who I would class as properly coming through is Jack Grealish and before that it's probably Gabby Abonlahor so you're talking two players coming through in the last decade or so it's pretty poor you've done a piece on on this guy recently Sarkic the goalkeeper Villa have just messed him around what do you think the chances are of him getting a new deal yeah, it's a difficult one with all sort of four of them, you know, all four or five that we're going to go on and mention. Now, I'm led to believe that none of them have been offered a new contract yet. You know, that that is just where Villa are at at the moment. Um, they were waiting sort of patiently as the season was developing before this virus um, to, to make decisions. And obviously with this, you know, there's just more uncertainty around the whole place. So they're all still kind of waiting to find out whether they will be either staying around or, or, or moving on. Um, we'll, we'll touch on Sarkic briefly because I've written a big piece on him which uh, everybody can read, you know, if, if you're a subscriber. And, and, and I went into a lot of detail then. The, the difficulty for him is there's four or five goalkeepers at Villa at the moment and, and a couple of those are senior goalkeepers. OK, so Pepe Reina might not stick around next season, but you know, you've still got Tom Heaton, Jed Steer and Oya Nyland. They're all head, ahead of him because they've got experience, but Sarkic has gone out on loan to Livingston and showed what he can do. Um, I think 
he was a he was a real favourite up at up at Livingston. And, yeah, that was. You know, I think he only can, the only goals he conceded at home are against Rangers. So, you know, that says it all. Kept a clean sheet against Celtic as well, for, for those of you thinking he might not have played against Celtic. But um, he, he did really well up there. And it's a shame that he had to get called back in the circumstances because obviously Villa wanted to get rid of Kalinic. You know, that they wanted to move him on because he was on big money and he wasn't going to feature. Um, Tom Heaton had picked up an injury and... Sarkic had to come back as cover before uh, Pepe Reina was signed. The whole goalkeeping department is just it's 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 so um, it's so confusing at the moment because there's so many people there. I mean, you know, we could do a whole podcast on the goalkeeping department, so uh, that might be one for the future. But it's for him. I think he will probably have to look at moving on. I think he knows that. Um, I mean, ideally for him, just looking from the players' point of view, it would probably be. Villa give him a one-year contract, a one-year extension, with the um, with the promise of moving out on loan, and you know, in probably in his favour of, of not having a recall option. So he knows that he's got a whole season to go out and show what he's made of, and then he he readdresses his future in a year's time if he's good enough. Villa sign him up for the future, and and maybe keep him as the number two, or even promote him as the number one. Um, if he's not good enough, then they sell him on, but. It might also work in Villa's favour because if he goes out on loan for a whole season, performs really well, they've then got a more valuable asset on their hands and they can extend his contract and potentially sell him on in the future. So it, there's a lot of variables there and there's a lot of big decisions to make. I think the the, the, the more key decisions um, are, the, are the outfield players for Villa. I'm going to touch on Keenan Davis now because I think that he is um, probably the most important one now. He's just turned 22, so this is a really important age for him. But he's only ever scored four goals in five years for Villa. So there's there's a bit of an issue there. The injuries have, have really thwarted his progress. But me personally, I just think there's something about him. I think that he can still he can still be a big player for Villa. He can still do it. Every club in the Championship would like him, at least before this, this crisis anyway, um, with the virus. So he's not going to be short of, of, uh, of suitors if Villa don't keep him on. But... I think I think it would be worth keeping him on. I think that for sure. he can still do a job for Villa. You know, he's nice still like down to, to earth. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a hard worker. He, you know, he's very he's down to earth. He he doesn't get into any trouble. He he saves all his money. He lives with his long term girlfriend. He just goes work goes into work works hard. The only issue for him is just that the injuries have just you know they've 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 ruined him really, and he just needs to put those behind him and get back to playing games regular. Because Dean Smith, as you say, clearly likes him. Yeah, he's one of those players that when he's on the pitch, I just feel we're like we 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 play well with him on the pitch. I know he's not a goal scorer, like you say, his goal scoring records as as good as mine over the years, but. He, he makes four goals for Villa. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> he, he, he makes Villa. He makes Villa better. I think like, he came on against against Bournemouth away, and and I just thought he, he livened us up. Samata looked lively next to him. Albeit there was obviously a tweet to the system when they brought him on. But do you know what? Do you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of midfield players in the Championship, especially, did well scoring goals because of him. Yeah, definitely. I think if you ask a lot of the Villa players, uh, you know, the midfield players, like Conor Harry and Jack Grealish, they'll say they like playing with Keenan because 
he he holds the ball up for them and brings them into play and 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 that's what midfielders who uh, you know box to box midfielders anyway that's what they thrive off if that he, he presents them with opportunities so um, also remember John Terry having a conversation saying he was one of the toughest uh, strikers he had to play against just because the way he backs himself into the defenders he holds the ball up he's so strong yeah very strong um, you know that's that's. That, that, that can be used to Villa's advantage if they can just get him fit, which is why I'd, you know, I'd like to see him stick around and hopefully show what he's made of still. You're saying, talking about loans, every club in the Championship would like to have him. Someone that has gone on loan this season is Callum O'Hare, who by all accounts has done very well at Coventry. The Coventry fans, despite their hatred for Aston Villa, seem to have really embraced Callum O'Hare and he's doing well there. But he's, he's 21 now. This is like a, a key time in his career. I feel like Villa have stagnated him a little bit that season under Bruce where we, we nearly went up, where he was kept around the place basically as emergency backup in case injuries happened and then they didn't really happen. So it's like a wasted year for him. And this is the problem I have with Villa and, and young players. We hold them back, we, we stagnate them and they don't develop at key points in their young career when, when they need to kick on. And I think it's more to do with the club rather than the player. And I think O'Hare is one of the ones that falls into to that bracket. So you're saying he hasn't been offered anything yet either? No, no. There are some reports that um, he's rejected a deal, but he, he hasn't been offered a new deal. That's my understanding. Um, it's something that he will obviously hope to be offered at some point. But I think he's, his situation is a little bit more complex because... He's maybe at the situation. He's maybe at the point in his career now where he thinks, "Well, do I really even want to stay at Villa?" Okay, he likes the club. He's been there since he was a little boy, um, and 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 ideally, he'd love to be there playing games. But if he's going to be sticking around for another year or or even two or however long they want to extend the contract for, if they do, and he's not guaranteed any games, which at this m- moment in time, I don't think he can. But he's got a real big decision to make because he's really stepped it up in the in the last few months for Coventry who are top of the league and probably going to go into the championship if football does resume as expected um, so th- there could be the chance for him to go and sign there stay in the Midlands close to his home um, and be a championship player next season and the, I'm, I presume there will also be other championship clubs looking at him thinking that you know this is a player who's done very well in League One at the top end of League One as well um, has had a little bit of experience at Villa and clearly has something magical about him I think that he could go on to be an, you know, another good player as well maybe similar to like the Barry Bannon situation where you look back and then you think maybe could Villa have kept him and, and developed him just a little bit further and maybe been a, a player that might have you know, progressed in the future just just remember Barry Bannon for example getting booed by the whole end so often I mean scandalous when you think of it now he's done well for himself in, in later years but Obviously, the you know the reaction to to Callum O'Hare hasn't been like that. Um, Villa fans are very keen actually to see him get a chance, uh, and he's been doing very well for for Coventry. But just what you mentioned about the club holding players back, I think that's something that they're desperately trying to get away from. You know, we've heard Christian Perslow, the chief executive, speaking about how. The, the academy is changing and developing um, the fact that he wants 16, 17 and 18 year olds in the under 23 team rather sure. than 21 and 22 year olds is a, is a big 
plus um, the fact that Jacob Ramsey's gone out on loan um, at 18 years old and starting performing very well at Doncaster uh, is also another plus sign. You know, the club are moving in the right direction behind the scenes. They signed, obviously, Mark Harrison from from West Bromwich Albion, who were leading the way in the Midlands and, and pretty much across the country as well. So if you look at some of the players they've produced at 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, exceptional talents. Morgan Rogers obviously moving to Manchester City for £4 million, um, player that's the most expensive player ever at, at that age. Yeah. Um, so, you know, clearly Villa have got a very, very good academy chief in charge now in Mark Harrison and um, and the club are moving forward in that way. Yeah, it's obviously going to take time for, for, for that plan to come to fruition. You're not, you're not going to see the, the fruits of that labour immediately, as, as you say. But as I, as I said when we introduced this segment, just just dis- disappoints me. I, Villa have always been a team that have tried to bring players through. In, in my lifetime, there's always been young players in, in, in the Villa side. And I just think it's something that we're, we're really lacking and missing at the moment. And I, you look back at that that young side that won the, the next gen, which is the equivalent of the, of the Champions League at, at youth level when Paul Lambert was in charge. And other than Grealish, no one came through for, from that side. And there were some good little players there. I remember watching quite a lot of those games. There were some good players there for sure. And Callum Robinson's one that I look back on who I, I would probably take at Villa right now and would have taken when we were in the championship as well. He'd have done well for the club, but because of the way Villa handled his development, he, he goes elsewhere and he's he's a success, but he, he could have been useful at Villa, but Lambert spent money on bringing in people like Jordan, Bowery, Silla, Tonev, people who really added nothing to the squad. And at that time, I feel like the Villa side could have been supplemented with youth quite well. They had that set first team, the likes of Benteke, Gabby and Vyman as the front three, but I really feel like it could have been supplemented with youth and I just feel there's been so many lost opportunities and players have suffered as well. I look at people like Lewis Kinsella, Jordan Graham, who I think could have gone on to be good players if they'd have been managed managed correctly, but they're now playing playing in, in the lower levels and, and not actually doing that great. So people will turn around and say, well, they're not they're not doing that well anyway, but... It's a missed opportunity. I feel like there were some good players there that developed properly. They could have done well for Villa. Yeah, a couple more as well. Samir Carruthers always showed positive signs, yeah. didn't he? And, and Dan Crowley, obviously, um, yeah, moved on to Arsenal. But And then and this sort of stagnated and he's obviously at Birmingham City now. But Really stagnated. Um, yeah. Going there. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's look, you know. It's, it's it's an area that Villa do recognise that they've struggled in in recent years. I mean, maybe even a decade now. Um, yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that was nearly a yeah. decade ago. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And then you know, you look even all the way back to two thousand and two when they were the Youth Cup champions, and you had likes of Liam Ridgewell and Stephen Davies in the team. That more that brothers and, and the, the more brothers who yeah, you know, showed positive signs early on, and and then um, just faded away with with their individual careers. So. Yeah, look, Villa. Villa will be hoping to to um, to put an end to that, really, and just and just start producing some more youngsters. I think the I think the signs are already there that some of them are going to come through, but it's not going to be a job. It's not going to be a five minute job. It's going to take no. a few years. I think. I think Villa have got to start looking at, at hiring the best sort of eleven and twelve year olds, maybe thirteen year olds, and then getting them in at six, and then developing them for a couple of years, getting them to sort of 16, 15, 16, 17, and then playing them in the under twenty threes team. That's the aim, but you know it's obviously easier said than done. But the main the main aim for Mark Harrison will be to lock down the local area, get the best 12, 13 year olds in into Villa, you know, as early as they can, um, and then develop them from there. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer. 
As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 and cover just the postage of £4.95. You've got to pay the poster. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of 1874, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers overall. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. And as an independent UK company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power's in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in as well just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com 1874 to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, 1874 listeners get two free extra beers. It's good because I, th- I know f- when the new owners came in that they were not impressed with what was going on with the, with the youth team at all in the academy setup, and they, that was one of the things they wanted to rectify straight away. I remember, remember them sitting down and saying that to, to a group of fans. So it's positive that they're they're obviously actioning that. Next up, Andre Green, someone who I would say has probably had a fair crack of the whip. I don't know whether you agree with that. Yeah, I think he's played a lot of games for Villa now, and um, you know. It, uh... A shame, really, to see his career not not develop at, at the at the um, at the speed it was expected to. Because Tim Sherwood obviously fancied him a lot. You know, yeah, sixteen really years did. old, thought he was the going to be the star of the show for Villa in years to come. Um, just just hasn't hasn't quite kicked on. Um, obviously, doing very well at, at Cholton and. That might be the the move that he needs. You know, he just needs that regular. He's had a couple of loan spells that just haven't really worked for him, and he needs that loan spell that will go where he can go and really show exactly what he's made of. And then he might still have, have a chance at Villa. I know he's got a year um, option in the club's favour, so whether they take that up or not remains to be seen. But he has had his chance at Villa, yeah, and he, and he and he and he hasn't really produced, to be honest. Injuries have played a part a little bit as well. I think when he was really about to kick on, he, he got injured, which is, is typical Villa. Even when we're about about to crack it with the youth player, they, they then end up getting injured and miss, missing the whole season. I remember him scoring a, a great goal against Norwich early on in that Steve Bruce near-miss season in the game we won 4-2. It was a yes. really, really good goal. He was looking Brilliant lively, goal, but then yeah. but then he, he goes and gets injured. But I think he's been playing a bit more centrally. For Charlton, I think he, he's played some games actually as a striker and Lee Bowie has been impressed with him from the quotes I've seen. So that may be a positional change in the future, might help him, but he's he's one that I think I don't think Dean Smith fully fancies him, if I'm being honest. I think he'll end up moving. He just needs to believe in himself a bit more. I think he's got the qualities there. He's got all the attributes. He's quick, he's skillful, he can score, he sets up goals. He's just got to believe in himself a bit more. And if he can then you know maybe maybe we might see the player express himself a bit more. Um, just think that Villa stay in the Premier League. I, I find it hard to see him be, you know, playing in the Premier League regular. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Rushy and Hepburn Murphy, Greg, another one that yeah. I think is probably going to end up moving on. 
probably the most obvious case study of where it's gone wrong for Villa. To be honest, probably you know a very high, highly paid player for for his age. Yeah. Um, twenty two years old in July or August, I think he's one of the. He's he. I'll have to check. But I think he's August. He was. He's always the. He's at the very end of his school year. Um, but you know he's he's twenty two years old nearly, um, and. Had a loan spell at Tramia Rovers in League One this season. Didn't really produce the goods there and, and has ended up in working with Derby's under-23s for the remainder of this season. So, yeah, I think Villa have probably learnt their lesson with this one because I have to admit, when I watched him for the under-23s scoring regularly, I thought that he could go on and become a decent player and, and, and maybe even a first-team player for Villa. I thought that he... You know, he always, always scored for the under twenty threes, but injuries have really thwarted his progress as well. So, um, I think Villa will learn in the future not to overpay players at that level until they've until they've really produced. I mean, I'm purely speculating here. I don't know Hepburn Murphy at all. I've never spent any time with him. But do you, do you think it is a case of getting too much too soon? He had a relatively big, big contract, and do you, do you think his motivation slipped a little bit? Because as I say, I don't know him, but that's just how it comes across a little bit. Yeah, possibly it can become very easy for players in the, in the academy these days, where they're on you know they're on they're on good money, um, they're in a good comfortable environment where they go in every day and they get the meals paid and they get the meals for them and they, everybody looks after them. Um, and, and this this isn't a, this isn't a knock at Hepburn Murphy, you know. This, I'm just talking in general here, but it's it, it's it's, it's ve- yeah, it's it's very easy for them. You speak to older pros now who are coming. They were like you know, 35, 40, 45, and they had to still clean um, players' boots. They, when they were introduced into the first team, um, into first team training, it was a lot more rough and ready, and you know, and they were really sort of, um, you know, given given a given a welcome that you wouldn't expect. Now it's just it's just a bit too easy. You now it's all tippy tapper, and um, and they players have it all too early, and unfortunately, that's been the case with some players. Across the board, you know, every country. Hepburn Murphy is one of these players who wouldn't sign a new deal because he they expected him to go on and be better. So they, you know, that his representatives wanted him to get wanted him to get the market value in terms of what he they felt he should be paid. Unfortunately for Villa, it just hasn't worked for him because you know he just he hasn't produced and he and he hasn't gone on to become the player that they expected him to. Yeah, I've been watching a bit of the Sunderland documentary on Netflix. I don't, I don't know whether you've seen it. I think they had a similar situation with with Josh Madger. Last season was doing really well for them, though, being the difference. And they ended up having to let him go because his agent just had no intention of him signing a contract. Because when those contracts run down, the player's got the power. Even if you haven't really played more than a handful of games, the player has the power. And I feel like we perhaps paid for potential with Hepburn Murphy. And then it just hasn't worked. So Villa have ended up with egg on their face a little bit. So, yeah, fully, fully expect him to go. Looking at all, all those players, it, it wouldn't really surprise me if none of them were there next season. I, I think only really Keenan's got a chance of actually being at Aston Villa as a first-team player next season as a, as a guy that's in the matchday squads. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's a shame, really, because it's a it's a batch of youngsters who, who you're hoping to, to get something out of. You know, there were, there were high hopes for a couple of them. And, I mean, this is what Villa need to do. They need to start producing players because it will save them money. And, you know, to lose four or five players from one age group this this season just shows that their system hasn't been working. And, you know, Christian Perslow has, has, has come out and said that. He's been brutally honest and said, our system hasn't been working for, for the for recent years. And that's why we're having to make a big change now. 
Yeah, we'll go through the loans quickly because obviously their loans will be up at the, at the end of the season. But again, I'd be shocked if any of them were at the club next season. Rainer, Drinkwater and, and Borgia Baston. None of them are coming back, are they? Yeah, well, Borgia Baston, he's a permanent player anyway. But, um, you know, it's okay. like just signed on a short-term deal. So, um, you know, I can't, I can't see his contract being extended past past this season. It was just literally a stopgap uh, yeah. because Villa couldn't get anybody else in at the time. Uh, with Pepe Rainer, potentially, there's a potential maybe to keep him on if they stay up. Danny Drinkwater, you know, genuinely don't know what is going to happen with him. Um purely because of the incident that happened previously. Um, yeah. you know, we're still waiting to find out what, what will happen and whether he will you know, play for Villa again, really. Yeah, I like Pepe Reina. I've got a lot of time for him. Obviously, he's achieved a lot in his career, but I've got to be honest, I think Nealon's better than him, as well as a second second choice. And we've got Steer, Steer as well, who's a, who's a good goalkeeper. But when Heaton comes back from injury, I just don't think there's a place for Reina in the setup. Yeah, I have to admit that the last couple of games that, that he played, I was starting to become a little bit concerned with him. Um, I feel that he just became a bit too careless in possession. You know, he's obviously yeah. great with his feet. We, we all know that. We've seen that over the years before uh, for Liverpool. And, and and if you watch Italian football in Napoli and, and AC Milan for, in the few games that he played for Milan. But um, yeah, he just, just whether that's because he hasn't got the quality players alongside him um i don't know but he has made he did make some you know real bad errors especially at southampton he had a real poor game and then obviously against um leicester uh he struggled as well so i think gorgian nyland is a good he's a good backup and maybe somebody who might start when the uh when the season resumes yeah, so obviously the, the contracts are some of the decisions that Villa are going to have to make over the summer what what are the key decisions that the club going to have to make if this season ever ends well, I suppose it's just where they go, for, you know, how they progress now. It's they're in a similar situation to they were to where they were this time last 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 year because there was two plans this time last year. They were planning either to a stay in the championship uh, and rebuild there, knowing in, knowing that they were probably going to lose their key be- their best players, Jack Grealish, uh, Tyrone Mings wouldn't have signed, John McGinn potentially could have could have moved on as well. Um, or whether they got promotion and and could build around that. They obviously ended up getting promoted and they went down the route that they wanted to sign majority of the players under 25 years old because they hoped that they would increase in value as the season and the year year progressed. Do you think Um, that's happened? I think if you look at it now, in you know the cold hard facts are that the majority of the players that Villa bought are they wouldn't recoup the same amount for them now if they sold them, but but on the contrary, if they stay up this season, then it's job done, and it's a very successful season. If Villa, if Villa stay up, and you you will then look at it and think, well, the players that they signed have have are still young. Um, they've got they've got another year experience either in the Premier League or their first year experience in the Premier League. Um, and then Villa can then look at gaps of where they feel they're weak and then really strengthen hard in, in, the, in the next transfer window. They might look at, say, three positions and think, right, well, we're going to get a world, a very, very good wide man, a very, very good centre-back and, and an exceptional striker. And then that's that's starting to look like a very good team then because... yeah. You, you know that that that's just how it works. It's it was always going to be a tough, 
summer for them last summer because they had to buy so many players. Um, it was a risky approach, yeah, but if they stay up, well, you know, it's, it's job done and you, you start to get very excited about what next next season might look like. Yeah, I get why we did the business the way we did it. It, it makes sense, but I've always come back to this and I've probably said it hundreds of times on the podcast already, but if we identified Heaton as an experienced character to have in goal, I don't understand why that wasn't replicated elsewhere across the pitch, but, we, but we, we've done that to death. Anyway, but one of the things I want to know over the summer is, I think I know what Aston Villa wants to be, but I don't see that on the pitch. I want to know what we are. This team I'm seeing, a lot of the time, it's not a Dean Smith team. They're not playing the way I would expect a Dean Smith side to play. And that, that's the main thing. I, I want Villa to have an identity because I don't think we've had one this season. As I say, I understand the reasons for why we did the transfer business the way we did. But there's, there's seriously been a lack of identity on the pitch at times. Yeah, there, there has, hasn't there? It's a valid point. You know, Villa started the season positively. They were, they were actually playing well, although they weren't getting the results that they wanted. They were playing very well. And you yeah. could see Dean Smith's philosophy. You could see the way he wanted to play. But I just think that results have had to... Results have impacted that, and you know he's had to change his approach at times. And I don't think he's got the free. I don't think he's really had the freedom to set up his team and say this is how I want you to play because just because it hasn't been working. Um, I think if you look down the if you look down the Premier League, I mean there aren't too many. There aren't too many teams in that bottom half of the table that have got a clear identity. Really, I mean Fair. you look at you look at say okay Burnley for example. We know what they're all about. They're going to, at times, hit it quite long. Um, they're not going to pass it about around the back and they're going to go quite direct and use the big men to win flick-ons and, 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 and set pieces are, are quite important to them. Um, you look at Newcastle United, for example, they're always going to have less possession than uh, any other team, that, that than the majority of other teams that they play against. And then they'll use their pacey wide players maximum to to hopefully cause some sort of problem and then you know there's there's plenty of others as well Brighton Hove Albion for example they've got a clear identity but they still might be getting relegated um yeah and you know you, you can you can go through it all and it's a total value point and 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 as fans and supporters you want to see what your team are trying to achieve I just think that I think that next season might be the chance, as you say, for them to to start expressing themselves a little bit more and 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 becoming, you know, towards that maybe that Wolves or you know that Sheffield United that are that are doing well. Because yeah, the thing that perplexes me a little bit, you've said like at the start of the season we were playing well and not getting results, and that's fine. That's that's completely true. What you're saying there, but you know what? There's many times we've played badly and not not got results, and I've seen no semblance of the of a Dean Smith style or any style at all, and that that's what I'm uncomfortable with. If, if we're losing it, but we've got an identity, I'm, I'm almost, I almost get that. I'm almost ha- happy with it t- to an extent. I'm seeing no identity, and I'm seeing us getting beat quite well a lot of weeks. That, that's what I can't really live with at the moment. And I do feel like Dean Smith's hamstrung in, in some respects with some of the players that he's got. I don't personally believe that he would have chosen a lot of those players. He's kind of going with, with, with what he has. But you saying about the chance to build and go again next season. Do you think the way we've played football in the second half of the season is going to encourage Jack Grealish to stay? Because we, we need him to stay. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that we, you know Villa are fighting a losing battle, thinking that they're going to be able to keep him if Manchester United's interest is as strong as we all think it is. Um, I think that you know that the, the club are all well, not the club, but the, the supporters will always be resigned to losing him. I think because that, you know it's just how it's going to be. If Manchester United come in with a big bid, then 
he's gonna he's gonna want to go, isn't he? He's he's he, if he's helped Villa stay in the Premier League, that's almost job done for him. Uh, and I think supporters will be very disappointed, obviously, to see him leave. But I think he will go with their respect because he's moving on to bigger and better things. And I think the key is because Jack, for me, I think Jack Grealish is just too big and too good of a player for Villa to keep hold yeah. of, regardless. Um, I think the key is persuading the other key players That's to start, you know, tell it, saying like, look, okay, Tyrone Mings is better than he's a better the defender than a team than playing for a team that are in the bottom three and four, in my view. John McGinn the same. But if you can try and keep those two players and say, look, we're gonna buy these players and we're gonna improve this squad and we're gonna really be trying to kick in on and progressing into the you know the top half of the table, I think that's the cure. Yeah, I get I get that. I feel like Jack going and to be honest, I I think he probably probably is gonna go myself. That's the that's the feeling. I get. I feel like it just deflates the whole club. Let's say, let's say we do stay up, and everyone's quite buoyant that we've managed to stay up. We got Premier League football again next season. But Jack's such a big part of this club in so many ways. Him going just just deflates everyone, and I, I feel like that creates kind of a a knock on effect a little bit, like the way Gareth Barry left all those years ago. Suddenly, every summer you you were losing someone, and I feel like McGinn and Mings, if they see Villa's clearly is our best player, if they see Jack go. I, th- I don't think that gives that entices them to stay. If I'm being honest, because we've already showed we can't perhaps be trusted to spend to spend money in in in, in the best ways. I think with Mings and McGinn, I think obviously if, if Villa get relegated, the two of them will want to go. They're not Championship players. If Villa stay in the Premier League, then the way that prep the way that players look at that will be regardless of whether they finish seventh, regardless of whether their team finish seventeenth or ninth or tenth, even. Players from those teams are going into a new Premier League campaign knowing that they're Premier League players. Now, two things that motivate players, we all know, winning trophies and picking up their money every week. So Villa have got to convince them in two different ways. They've got to convince them that they're that they're trying to be an ambitious club and are trying to do big good things on the pitch and they've got to pay them well. It's as simple as that. If they do, then the two of them probably will stay. And, you know, there's also the likelihood of obviously Jack Grealish leaving, the captaincy becomes available. Tyrone Mings, for me, looks like a perfect candidate to step in and become that Aston Villa captain. Maybe being cooped up inside for so long is making me miserable, but I just, I've got a bit of a downer on that that kind of thing at at the moment. I'm, I'm thinking quite negatively about it, which isn't usually the case for myself. I'm, I'm usually quite positive, but as I say, I think the potential of Jack leaving, I think it just deflates the whole club and I can I can see there being a knock-on effect. Talking about being being cooped up, are you missing football as much as I am, Greg? I am big time. I can't honestly I can't wait for the day to come back where the games are just back on. And I know it's a selfish sort of outlook at the moment with so many other things going on in the world, but you know, football's a big part of my life. I know it's a big part yeah, of yours too, Dan, and it's a big part of Aston Villa fans, you know. We all live to, we all we all live to talk about football and you know, it's it's a big miss. It's a big miss going to the games, it's a big miss watching the games on the telly and the games that I'm not at. Um yeah, I, that's gen- the I think I, I miss do that. I genuinely most. miss it. Yeah, yeah, I do I genuinely miss it and you know, I hope that hope that the world can just, you know, shake off all these problems soon and um and football can return as well and you know, everybody be can be healthy again. That's that's the most important thing, of course. But yeah, I do miss football. Yeah, I'm I'm not missing that feeling of being annoyed 
every weekend. <laughs> uh, to, let's, let's be honest, that, that that's not great. But it's the it's, it's watch, sitting down and watching the other football on the telly that, that I'm missing. I'm missing like the people at the villa, like seeing my dad going to the football with my dad. The, the thought of having an away game and mingling with all the great Villa fans that go go on on away days. You know, when the last game at Villa Park was. Oh, go on. It was the... Um... Spurs, 16th of Feb was the, oh, yes, the Spurs, last yeah, home game. Nearly two oh. months ago, so it's almost been like a whole a whole pre-season. And Wembley was my last game as well. I, I know you went to the Leicester game. Wembley was my last game, and that was that was over a month ago. Just, It's all madness, and the knock-on effect of no football and being at home all the time at the moment for me is I'm spending all my money on football shirts. I keep going on eBay <laughs> and buying, buying the old Villa shirts. So, yeah, I I'm addicted to it at the moment. I can't, I can't stop it, which leads me nicely onto your football shirt piece. That you did, you, yeah. you can give that another yeah. plug, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect so much feedback from it. To be honest, I didn't realise there were so many, you know, Villa fans and other football fans that collected old shirts. But it was great to catch up with a couple of, you know, the prolific shirt collectors from Villa fans, and yeah, you know, I, I, I describe them as a band of brothers because they all help out each other in trying to, you know, fill in the gaps of the shirts. Oh, not at the moment. I'm in a WhatsApp group. I'm getting no help. <laughs> really, so look, 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 looking after themselves <laughs> at the moment in these desperate times. <laughs> but no, really, you know, I've all the always been here for a year now at the Athletic, and that was one of the most enjoyable stories. Um, putting that together, that, you know, it was really good fun. But just going back to some of the things we missed from football, it's just little things like getting on the train to an away game and just you know chatting to the fans about about the yeah. game and stuff. You just you just miss it, don't you? you take it all for granted when it's. Um, when it when it's all happening and it, fast and furious, I mean, there are times when I go to the games and, and I think, oh, do you know what? I really couldn't do with the game this week. I'm tired. I've had two games in a week. Um, I've had loads of stories to write. I've been really busy. My family life's busy. You know, I, I could do without this game. Phew. I tell you what, that first game I'm back, I can't be so grateful for it. <laughs> oh, let's f- fingers crossed it soon. I was even I saw the boy Munich were back in training a couple of days ago. And I was thinking, oh, maybe the Bundesliga will come back, as at least I can watch that. <laughs> at least there'll be some football to watch. But yeah, desperate for something. But obviously, we all know that there's more important stuff going on in the world at the moment, and and that's the priority. Let's face it, we'll just finish with a look at uh, Matt Slater's piece that ca- came out this morning. Now, I've got to be honest, I'm rubbish with all this finance kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know what you're like, but it's not my strong suit. But from a Villa perspective, it didn't look great from, from what I could read, but he's, we think that's skewed a little bit by Villa being in the Championship last season, don't we? Uh, yeah, li- a little bit, yeah. It's, it's a brilliant piece from Matt, Matt Slater, our finance Yeah, really man. good. You know, he's fan- fantastic. So much insight into the, the world of financial figures and all that the you know majority of fans don't really understand as well and in terms of villas figures no they don't look great but some of them are clouded just because um you see know, profit and loss figures from from last season when villa were in the championship and without the tv revenue and stuff which is obviously a significant chunk of, of what villas figures will look like but it's definitely definitely worth well worth a read if you're if you're a premier league fan because it paints um well it paints a pretty worrying picture yeah it's absolute madness some of the figures in there my biggest takeaway from it was that Villa's turnover was 54.3 million and Everton's was 187.7 because I've always classed Villa and Everton has been similar clubs, clubs that not neutral fans t- tend to like just outside the, the bigger boys, if you like, in terms of getting the European places. I always feel like Villa and Everton are, are quite similar, but their turnover is like massive compared to ours and it's just, just mad how much the game's changed and Villa spending those three years in the championship as well just how much that has affected the club financially 
Oh, huge. You know, so a couple of years in the championship changes things massively. Um, you know, obviously Man United are leading the way, I think over 600 million, something like that. They're, they're, yeah, um, they're turning over that in the last season. Um, when you compare that to Villa, who are, who are just 54 million. Um, I think the most alarming one really is, is probably Tottenham. When you, when you look at Tottenham now, 460 million compared to Villa. You know, a decade ago, Villa and Tottenham were on a similar level, weren't they? And it just shows yeah. how how times can quickly change you know a couple of bad decisions bad ownership um and and before you know it you're just miles apart between these clubs um okay 10 years is a long time in football now but if, if you look back at it you know the, there was a time when they were both going for the top five four five and six places and you know villa are miles away from that now crazy different times greg Really, really missing those old times again. I've been watching yeah. a lot of a lot of older older clips and remembering how how good we used to be, which has which has been disappointing as well. But it's been good to talk to you on this podcast and go over some some current day stuff. I've, I've actually enjoyed it, even though I've kind of depressed myself. It's always a mixed bag doing a Villa podcast, isn't it, Greg? It is, yeah. But it, I mean, it's nice to talk to someone actually. Yeah, <laughs> other than the wife. I haven't. Yeah, I mean, I've been speaking to people on the phone, you know, day to day tasks, but it's nice to just have a a normal conversation because um, I'm driving my wife crazy i think uh yeah, I, had, I went nine i went 19 days without annoying her but it's that's all over now so she's she's in a mood with me now but um, oh, i think i, I think i'll have to win minutes summer. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to everyone that's tuned in and listened hopefully this podcast given you a little bit of respite from the world and giving you something to focus on of the villa mm-hmm.